0: If you would, turn in your Bible to, uh, or open up your Bible, maybe it's an app, whatever, to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12. Last Sunday, uh, got back uh, from Honduras about midnight, got in bed about one, and uh, got up to come to church at five, and uh, so I was dragging last week, I'm not going to lie, I'm so glad Bill was here speaking, because I... You all may fall asleep while I'm speaking, but I would have fallen asleep while I was speaking. So um, I'm glad that that he spoke last week. Um, y'all, one of the things that I'm always reminded of when I go on a trip like to Honduras is um, just how good we have it here in the United States. Um, and it is always, I mean, one of the highlights of my trip is always when we, we land back on U.S. soil And uh, just an amazing thing to realize being back home in the States. But we have so much. I mean, like being able to throw your toilet paper in the toilet is a blessing, y'all. I I don't know if you've ever experienced not being able to do that, but um, that's a blessing. Taking a, a, a hot shower without having an electric heater right above your head. Literally, with wires exposed, like water and electricity are not supposed to mix, and that's how they have their heating system set up for a hot shower. It's uh, it can be um, shocking. <laughs> um, that's you no know, pun intended. Um, so we have it so good, um, we are so blessed, and uh, that's not to say that they aren't, um, their fruit. By the way, is thousand times better than what we have up here. I'm just saying, coming right off the tree. Mm. I don't, I do not like bananas up here. Please don't ever, like I've asked for other things, and y'all, like I asked for olives one time, and I got like ten jars of olives. I don't like bananas in the states. They're yuck. Um, down there, they are sweet, and they are amazing. Um, and uh, so I, I just say all that to just remind us again, we have it so good and we've been blessed. But think about think about this verse, Romans 6:23, "For the wages of sin is death. That is a problem that every single human being on this planet that ever has been or ever will be has. We all have a sin problem, and that sin problem's wage is death. And it's separation from God for eternity. That's our problem, because sin separates us from God and causes there to be a division between us and God, a chasm between us and God. But the wages of sin is death. It doesn't stop there, but the gift of God. God has a gift that he offers to you, and it's a gift that, that can never, ever be taken from you. It is a gift that never wears down. It is a gift that, that will never expire. It is a gift that, that God gives to you, and it is the gift of eternal life. So while our problem is eternal death, God offers to us the gift of eternal life, and it doesn't come through us being good. It doesn't come through us being religious. It doesn't come through us being somehow earning or buying our way into heaven. It comes through what this verse says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the bridge between us and God. Jesus, he is the expanse of the one who made it possible for us to be in relationship with God, and that is the greatest gift that any one of us could ever have, ever receive, ever live out in our life, is to know that the wages of sin is death has been paid for by Jesus Christ, and because if I put my faith and trust in Christ and receive that free gift, I have eternal life. And every single one of us can know that. Not hope so, not I think maybe. No, you can know that you have eternal life. And what an incredible thing to understand that Jesus is that bridge for us to be able to be in relationship with God. What is amazing to me is that even though God has given us this gift, even though God is the author of this gift, he lets us be a part of this process in the lives of other people. Think about in your life who introduced you to Jesus. Who told you about Jesus. Who, who helped you to come to know Jesus. And who has been discipling you in your life to come to understand more and more what it means to follow Jesus. Every single one of us can be a disciple maker. Every single one of us can be a bridge builder. You and I aren't the bridge, but you and I can help build the bridge so that others can come to know and understand this amazing gift that God has to offer every single human being on this planet. And the Bible even talks about, Isaiah says in Isaiah 52 verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, our God, your God reigns. You and I have the beautiful pleasure of being the one to bring good news to people, to publish peace to bring good news of happiness. To publish salvation so that others can hear, see, and know the love that God has for them. We've been talking about the bridge and what it means to com- to connect our community with Christ, the people around us with the answer that they're looking for, because everyone is looking for Jesus, whether they realize it or not, whether they understand that or not. Every single person has a God-shaped hole in their life, and the only one that can fill that is God himself, nothing else. And so we get the opportunity to be these who are, have beautiful feet, um, and you may go, ooh, my feet are nasty. It's not talking about necessarily your, your digits on your feet. It's talking about the fact that you're bringing people to a knowledge and understanding of, of God and Son, Jesus Christ. How do we do that? Well, we live practically our life before Christ. Jeremiah 29, verse 7, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Seek the welfare, seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, its peace, you will find your welfare, your peace. I'm so glad I got to go with Providing Hope and Jim and Regine and their ministry down to Honduras again because they are doing exactly that. They're building bridges, connecting the community in Olanchito to Jesus Christ. And the church in Olanchito is growing. People are coming to know Christ. They're putting their faith and trust in Christ, not in a religion, but in a relationship. They're putting their faith and trust in Christ, and their needs are being met, and and things are happening. And I'm telling you, I went in 2020, and that was the last time I got to go. And then in 20, just this past uh, January, just a couple weeks ago, I got to go again. And it is growing, and they are connecting people to Jesus, and that's an incredible thing. And listen, if you have, if you have thought about it at all, you need to go. I wish everybody hearing my voice would go on a mission trip somewhere doesn't have to be Honduras it could be wherever god is leading you to go but get out of your comfort zone get a little uncomfortable touch a little shocking thing in the the shower and you'll survive and And let God open your eyes and your heart and your soul to the reality of what is all around us, and that is that people need Jesus Christ. And and I'm so thankful that in 2010 was my first time that I ever left the United States, went out of my comfort zone in the United States, and went to another country, and God has drastically changed my life as a result of that. And I want to encourage each of you to go. Stop making excuses. Listen, excuses are the roadblock to doing ministry and being on mission for God. And and here's what you need to understand, and and I'm warning you as a part of even what Aaron talked about a couple weeks ago, what Bill talked about last week, and what I'm going to talk about this week from Luke chapter 12, is that when you join God in his work, there will always be roadblocks. Why? Because we have an enemy that hates your guts. He hates you so much that he wants to destroy you. Why does he want to destroy you? Because he hates God. He hates God, and you and I are created in the image of God. We are image bearers of God, and whether you know Christ or not, you're an image bearer of God, and he hates you and wants to destroy all of humanity, and what is he going to do? He's going to do everything he has. He's going to take everything out of his arsenal, and he is going to try to stop you from going on mission for him. But I'm so thankful that he that's in us is greater than he that's in this world. Satan is a defeated foe. I don't think he wants to recognize that. I think he's so prideful he would never recognize that. But you and I, we get to read the end. (laughs) And he don't win. Excuse the French. Uh, He doesn't win. Um, And uh, I I just want to encourage you, go. Don't let roadblocks stand in your way, but hey, Here's the reality. A lot of times, the roadblocks that come up are of our own making. Like what Aaron talked about a couple weeks ago, blessing our enemy versus repaying evil for evil. Remembering what you've been saved from. Remembering what it's like to be lost. Remembering that our responses preach the gospel. We're not called to repay evil for evil. We're called to bless our enemies. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to, to be a peacemaker with our enemies. We're called to humility, and we're called to tell them and show them the gospel. Bill talked about last week a hidden faith versus a lived-out faith, and he said this, Seeing a life lived for Jesus was so compelling to me at age 15. Words are beautiful, but a life testimony is way better. Roadblocks. Jesus addresses one in Luke chapter 12. And like usual in his life, he'd be walking around wherever he was going and crowds would gather. This is no small crowd. If you look at Luke chapter 12, verse 1, notice it says, In the meantime, so many thousands of people gathered together that they were trampling one another to see Jesus that's not a small crowd thousands gathering together trampling one another to see Jesus Jesus begins to teach his disciples and by extension teaching those that were around him and we get to verse 13 and this is not uncommon but someone in the crowd said to him this guy imagine the guts this guy has Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So this guy's got obviously a issue going on with his brother. Likely his parents have, have passed and there's an inheritance. And he's saying to Jesus, you as rabbi, be the one to solve this issue. And this is not uncommon. They would do this often And Jesus does something interesting, verse 14. He says to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? So what does Jesus not do? He doesn't doesn't step in to be the problem solver. He doesn't step in to address the external problem that's going on between this man and his brother. Thousands of people are standing there, trampling over each other, and this guy yells to Jesus, hey, Solve this issue for me. But what does Jesus do? Jesus, instead of dealing with the external issue, he goes right to the heart of the matter and the man's soul condition. Not just the man's soul condition, but the crowd's soul condition. And he says in verse 15, he said to them, take care and be on guard against all covetousness. Another word for covetousness is greedy. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. How, how do I know this is a soul issue? How do I know this is something that he's addressing the heart because in that statement life's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions he's talking about their identity He's talking about how they see themselves. And he's saying to them, listen, the way you see yourself is not according to the abundance or the, the, the what you have or what you don't have or what you wish you have. That is not what life is about. But be careful and be on guard against greediness. And Why does he say that? Because, listen, we as human beings... Every single one of us struggles with the desire to have more and the thinking that I don't have enough. And if I just had a little bit more of something, then I would be satisfied. Then I would be able to be okay. Then I would feel safe. Then I would have all my ducks in a row, my I's dotted, my T's crossed. If I just had a little bit more. And every single one of us wrestles in one way or another with one thing or another in the relationship to greed. And Jesus says, listen, your life is not defined by what you have or what you don't have. It's not defined by those possessions that you have or those possessions that you wish you had. That is not what defines your Life. And then he goes on to share a parable, verse 16. What's a parable? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. He told him a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Take care, be on guard against all greediness. Jesus goes right to the sole matter of what was happening in these people's lives by giving them a story about a man, very, probably very real story about a man who was wealthy, who had much, he was rich because his land produced plentifully and he thought to himself i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that and he was so distracted by his possessions that god says to him fool why would he call him a fool was he referring to his intellect was he saying you're you're dumb no, he, he was, that was not what he's addressing. What he's saying to him is, listen, you're settling for what is okay when I have what is best in mind for you. You're so distracted by all that you have that you can't see that you're actually poor, that you can't see that you actually are in your soul bankrupt, And you're so distracted by all of this stuff that, my friend, you are a fool because you're settling for what is okay when you could have what is best. You're missing it. So here's what I want you to do. Turn to somebody, look them straight in the face, and say, don't be a fool. Say it to them. Say it like you mean it. Don't be a fool. No, we do not want to be a fool why listen Jesus is not condemning this man because he's rich Je- Jesus is not saying because because you have much or you have done well and you've been successful that's not the issue the issue isn't that this guy's got a, a plan this this is the issue is not that he's got much J- Jesus is addressing it because nowhere in here Is there a mention of God? And actually what ends up happening is is when we allow greed to take hold in our lives, it blinds us to the reality of what God has in store for our lives. And one of the things that we can see here is is that one of the issues this man has is he never could see past himself. I mean, think about it. Look at how many times is the word I in here. How many times do you see my? How many times do you see I will? In just three, four short verses, there are six eyes, five mys, and four I wills. This guy has no look at anything other than himself. I, 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 my, 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 I will, I will, I will. He has... He. He is. He, there is. Notice what's not here. What's not here is the man saying, "This is what I want to do. I'm going to give this stuff away. I, I want to help other people around me. I, I have so much. I have a, a, just plentifully not, m- enough that instead of building more barns or bigger barns, I'm just going to give away what I have in access, and I'm just going to live off." The other. There's no mention of others in here. And he's missed the opportunity to be a blessing and to help other people that are obviously in need all around him. Greed will blind you to the needs of others around you. Number two, greed. Will blind you to the reality that this life is not all there is. This man has no concept of today it's here, but it could be gone tomorrow. I mean, look what he says. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. His problem isn't, isn't that he's got stuff. I mean, even, even the Bible says that it's the what of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of it. It's not money's not the problem. It's the love of money. The, the, the issue for this man is not that he has stuff, it's that he is greedy. And it's blinded him to the needs of others around him, but even more importantly than that, it's blinded him to the reality of his own eternal destiny. That life is short. That you can have what you have today, but it could be taken away tomorrow. The Bible makes it clear. What is your life? Your life is a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. And all these things that he has, while good and great, could be gone. And there's no consideration of God's will. There's no consideration of, God, what do you want for my life? And so Jesus says, verse 21, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Greediness will cause us to miss seeing the needs of others around us. But even more importantly, it causes us not to be rich toward God. To know God. To be in relationship with God. To recognize that all the good that I have in my life is from God. Can I ask you a question? Are you rich toward God? Do you recognize God's blessing in your life? Do you recognize God's desire to work in your life? Do you recognize that you need God? Are you rich toward God? If you continue reading in Luke chapter 12, you find out a little bit more of what it means to be rich toward God. One of the things he says is, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of you all struggle with worrying or with anxiousness. And he says, instead, verse 31, instead, seek his kingdom Matthew says it, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Luke says, seek first, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And then he says something else in verse 33. He says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Interesting. So right here, being rich toward God is number one, loving God. Number two, loving others. Huh, I wonder where I've heard that before. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. You want to be rich toward God? You need to ask yourself, is greed blinding me to the needs of others around me and blinding me to the reality of my need for God. Would you just close your eyes, by your head? Dean Joe, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come. We're going to be baptizing her in just a little bit. Worship team's going to come. Some people are going to be standing down here to pray with you if you need it. Are you being rich toward God? I heard this illustration just the other day I was like, wow, that's so good. An eagle, we have them sitting down at uh, Lawrence Park over there. They are amazing creatures, 7-foot wingspan. They have eyes that are the same size as your eyes, but they're four times more powerful, and they never fade. They don't have the 40-year-old problem. They never fade. They can carry twice their weight. But do you know what the number one cause of an eagle's death is? Drowning. Do you know why? Because they swoop down and they grab hold of a fish that's way too big for them. And And the fish dives into the water and the bird continues to hold on and it will not let go. And it drowns itself to death. Friend, maybe there's something you need to let go of. I don't know what is going on in your heart and your soul. I don't need to. God does. He's fully aware of it. Maybe you're here today and you're going, you know what? I don't even know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. Then, my friend, first of all, that's where you need to put your faith and trust in is in Christ. He alone is the one who can help you overcome greed. He alone is the one who can help you love your enemy. He's He alone is the one who can help you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't know your heart, but God does. Are you willing to let go so that you can know him? He offers to you life and offers to you abundant. God, thanks for your love. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray that you would guide, you would direct. Use this time to help us to be honest with ourselves and with you. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.